the church in um, Beach Icocha, they were saying thank you for, for bringing hope back to us and joy to us. So he has used our church to take these people who have been kind of isolated. They've been helping one another stay strong. They don't have a pastor. Their church has fallen through. I don't even know how many years it's been that they have kind of been just worshiping among themselves. These few women, you'll see slides of them. But they stood up, and they were so, they're so grounded and so solid. And when they would sing, they would get in front of us and sing, and they closed their eyes. They didn't want to see us. They wanted to be worshiping God. And their little hands were folded, and they had their hands down, and they were singing, and they were praying. And I thought, God has used our church to come to this little group, more than that, but to this little group and say, we love you, and God hasn't forgotten about you, and, he, you know, all of the Christians together, we're going to come together, and we're going to help you, and, and we're going to be here to help you get back on your feet. We're praying for you. I just love that. It was my favorite thing, was, was feeling like God use, is using our church, and just these re relationships are being um, established, and I just love that. Also, I wanted to tell you that Jim, um, who is a missionary there, said to tell our church that he sees a lot of missionaries and that he loves when people come from our church because he can tell that our missionaries are bathed in prayer. And he said he would like to see different groups of our church come in, different people, because he said when a church sends, the more people that can come, the tighter church is going to grow together. And he said it's amazing what will happen. And he wanted the church to know that he could see the prayer in, in everything. So... All that. I guess the thing that stuck out to me the most was earlier before I was reading Desiring God by John Piper and in one of his paragraphs it he had something that says there's no such thing as a mere coincidence and he had it backing up by Proverbs 16:33, which is the lot is cast into the lap but it's every decision is from the Lord and Matthew 10:29 is not one sparrow will fall to the ground without your father's will. And I had two examples. The first the first thing was like we were in Banos and Todd uh gathered us around he was telling us to plan and everything. And there was one believer in Banos, Maria, that we needed to find. And Todd told us the first thing we're going to do is just go out and find Maria. And it was less than a minute, right when we started walking. Maria's like her family popped out of the her house, and Todd goes, "That's Susan. That's Maria's family," and that was just pretty amazing. And there was another one about four guys and four different glasses, but I don't really know that one as much because <laughs> I was in the car, so I'm gonna let Dad tell. <laughs> so I guess that's my intro. That. Uh threw me off a little bit, but now I'm, I'm teasing. Yeah, the, the, the story Luke is talking about is um, Jim, the missionary that was with us, he said, Mark, why don't you take some glasses up and we'll pass them out because there's a couple people that I promised to get glasses to that didn't show up. And I think I took six pairs up. And I passed out to uh, one to a uh, guy named Julian, who's a Christian there that's the gardener. And, um, and I passed another one out. <coughs> and then on the way back down the mountain, uh, we were taking pictures, and um, and there were some um, men working out in the field, four men working out in the field, and they were turning the, the field over by hand with these these hand plows, which is pretty incredible if you've ever seen um, anybody do that. But 
anyway, we stopped and we're taking pictures with him, and they asked if we had any glasses. And so we happened to have just four pairs left, and we passed them all out, and they were passing them back and forth, and they got it worked out where everybody had the glasses that was perfect for them. And, and you know, that's, that's God's providence. That's not an accident. And I think that's one of the stories Luke was, was, was referring to. Um, like Melissa said, it, is, it was a wonderful thing to go um, with each other, and it was a wonderful thing to see Luke grow. Uh, during the mission trip, um, it was it was pretty incredible. You know, I think last year, if if you all were here last year, I, we talked about that the different things. I I am not a a huge fan of being there, but I love being there with the people. You know, for any, any of you all that were here last year, that rat that tormented me so much at night, the rat is gone. So, and I didn't the see any. Yeah, the hotel's clean, and I I, I fed the cat though a lot. Well. <laughs> underneath the table. I made sure the cat was healthy and strong and would, would keep the rats away from me. But uh, that, you know, the first night of the mission trip was miserable for me. That's probably one of the worst nights I've ever spent because my neck was hurting so bad. And I got a little bit of altitude sickness and was throwing up. And I think Gretchen, Gretchen had a little bit of that too. And, and Roger, I think Roger had some of that. And, you know, I, I thought, man, just God either kill me or uh, heal me. But I just, I can't take this, you know. And then the next day, everything's great. I, I, I couldn't believe how great I felt. We saw 120 people. And, I, and we kept on. Yeah, and, and then, then later on, one of the small clinics that n nobody was going to show up to, we saw 130 people. And, you know, you just, you can't do that unless God's helping you. There's, there's just no way. And, um, and every time I get there, I feel better than, than I do when I'm here. I mean, you, there's, I think God puts his hand on you and, and, and helps you and guides you during, during the, uh, the, the process um, and you know it was it, it probably was without a doubt the, the greatest one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life um, seeing the people you know treating them as a doctor and a physician that was one thing and that was great and it was very very rewarding but going to the church services at night with the new church people that we didn't even know and the fellowship with them was just incredible you know it was incredible and, and then um, one of the things that, you know, we talk about God's sovereignty and his providence. On the last day, Todd wanted me to find Julian, who's a Christian in, is it Pacareas? Yeah, to, to speak with him. He said, can you go to a Bible study? I was like, yeah, sure. Um, I, I'm, you know, it's funny. I do feel kind of funny standing up and talking in front of people, and that's never been my strong point. But I thought, you know, I'll, I'll see what God leads me to do, what scriptures. And I really couldn't come up with any scriptures and I thought well I'm just going to talk to him and see and see if he has questions and then we're going to go from there and we're going to get into the scripture that way and uh, one of the first things that that he and another gentleman started talking about was that Jehovah Witnesses how they had come and passed out pamphlets and and had confused the whole village and that's one of the things that I've I've argued and 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 battled against Jehovah Witnesses since I was a young man so that was God's providence again. I, I knew exactly what to say. Didn't have to struggle. Didn't have to think. And it just shows you uh, how we're needed in that that uh, in that valley. I mean, the Jehovah Witnesses are in there distorting the gospel, uh, and and it's you know we need to go and and help those people. There's so much work. I can never get it done. Uh, so many people need cataract surgery. That's it's just unreal. And somehow I'm going to have to figure out a way to get there and do that. But even more important than that, we need to spread the gospel. And we need to witness with those people. And the Christians that are, are, that are there, we need to uh, stand behind them and let them know, know that they're not, they're not alone. Just one more thing. One eye clinic thing. I just wanted to tell you a good little story. Um, where were we when everybody was nearsighted? Was that Banos? 
or Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. We were in Santa Cruz doing the eye clinic. And all these little kids, they brought some of the school kids down. And I was doing the eye chart before they go into Mark. And all these little kids couldn't see the big E on the chart. I'm like, are you sure you can't see that? And I'm telling the interpreter, are you sure? And Mark comes out, he goes, honey, I think you're doing this wrong. Listen, th those kids are tricking you. Pay attention. You got to try to, and I'm going, I'm doing, yeah, get focused, do it. I'm going, I'm doing everything I can. They can't see the E. And finally, when he took them in and looked at them, they couldn't. They were legally blind, these little seven, eight, and nine-year-old kids. And we had glasses when they put on their glasses, Mark goes, check them on that chart. I want to see what this does. And took them back out, and they were reading 2020. And these are little kids who are learning their alphabet and learning how to read who couldn't do that because they couldn't see anything. And it was just, I thought, you know, they're young, and this is the beginning of their education and everything. And if they didn't have those glasses, I mean, I mean I'm sure God would provide a way. But it was just, I don't know, it just does something to you to watch them go from can't see anything to their little faces where they could see it was just it was great so well and that, that could actually in the, in the mountains that could be a fatal thing you know if you can't see uh, you get well actually can i say two more stories i hate to talk in front of people but uh but um there was one 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 thing happened where um these we had these old glasses that, I, that had so much astigmatism and were just so junky I couldn't they were the leftovers from the last trip yeah and and this one guy was blind couldn't see anything and and I and I just couldn't figure anything out I was you know trying to think what in the world is wrong with this guy and then finally I was looking through the glasses and and I I uh, Melissa said well let me keep on looking and I gave up and went back into the room and kept on seeing people and she pulled out a pair of glasses that was um, I don't know. She just walked in and, and handed them to me. We stuck them on the guy, and he could see. 2020, and it was just—it's God's again. It's God's providence. And then one one last episode. You know, I had a pair of minus four glasses that were you know, pretty nearsighted, and um, and uh, I was trying to get rid of them the whole time. And I was getting slightly irritated. It's like I, I was sticking them on people, and they wouldn't work. They wouldn't work. They wouldn't work. And the last village, the last one of the last people at the end of the day, the guy was blind, and boom, put them on him, and it's. You know, he's just happy as can be. You couldn't, you couldn't make anybody any more happy. And that glasses was for, you know, that pair of glasses was for that man. There's no doubt about it, and that's God's care. So there's, and I, you know, we could talk about that forever, but I think I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get kicked off the stage here. Sorry about that, Gretchen. That's okay. I'll make mine short. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say this was my first mission trip that I've ever been on, and. I just want to thank the team for making it so special and making it the best experience of my life. I was sick, <laughs> and if it hadn't been for Debbie, I don't know if I'd have made it through it. But I want to thank you all, too, for um, just praying for us. Like they said, Jim could tell that we are being prayed for, and you can feel it while you're there. Um, I just have to say that the, the Chankai River Valley in Peru, I will never forget them. They will be in my heart forever. Um, it's the beauty that you see. I can't, I can't describe it. It's indescribable um, what you see when you're there. And that is only from God. It, there's just no other words to say for that. Um, 
I just remember saying wow <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and um, God did that. He spoke, and those mountains and that river was formed. And those people are there for a reason, and we are going there for a reason. Um, it's just, it's amazing. And, you know, the kids, you can't get over the kids. Debbie and I <laughs> got to um, pass out the jackets that everybody had collected and uh, just to see the faces of those kids to know that they would have jackets because they're going into the winter season um, it was just amazing that their little faces would light up and they would they always wanted their picture made <laughs> and uh, Mary Lou had given me the task of taking some pictures that she had taken in a previous trip and it was photos photos <laughs> and uh, they found two little girls at Pacareos. They, uh, they basically, or no, it's Vichacocha. They uh, knew where every single person was that had had their picture. And so Debbie and I, <laughs> we were all over that valley <laughs> finding these little kids. But when they received those pictures, it was just, it was amazing. And uh, it can only be from God. And if you're, I was one of those people thinking, what am I going to do? You know, do I have the money to go if it hadn't been for Todd to say you know <laughs> when are you going <laughs> um, it's just you know you pray about it and God provides he provides it um, it was amazing I'll never forget it and and I can't wait to to go back there's there's nothing like it so if you're sitting there like I was and thinking what can I do and how can I go just go just say yes because God will provide for you it's just, it's an amazing experience. I'll correct one thing that Gretchen said just to scare you all. Gretchen was like, well, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can. So I went to her work one day and said, I'm signing you up. So you figure the rest out. So if you're on the fence, either decide or I'm coming to your work and I'm going to tell you you're going to go. So anyway, let's see the slideshow, hopefully. It really was a, uh, a fantastic trip. That clip you saw just then was the um, the little church up at up at Vichacocha, and the ladies were gracious enough to to sing and worship, and um, that was the one thing, the little glory, glory, hallelujah thing that we kind of knew what meant. And so we asked them to sing that again for us, so we could sing with them that those like three phrases or whatever that we could all translate. Um, but uh, it was it was a blessing. I wanted to give you just kind of a a summary report of what went on and in our strategy so you can continue to pray and add a few new things to your prayer list uh, for the Chancay River Valley. Um, Banos was kind of the high point for, for my trip. We had almost ruled Banos out pretty much um, as far as a strategy at least until a year or two down the road because it's uh, over a bunch of mountains and through a lot of woods to get there and um, it's just a long trip over there we found a way it's a little shorter and we got over there just because we had already committed to do the eye clinic there and, and like Luke has shared we wanted to find Maria uh, who we had talked to for about two minutes the last time we were there uh, the December or not the December the April team couldn't I don't think they even got to find her they looked and didn't see her um, so uh, we found her and uh, the rest of them went down to do a um, to work with a school and I, I wanted to just I said hey can you do a Bible study and she said uh, yeah, I think I have time. So she runs in and comes back out and has her Bible that's, you know, uh, tattered and torn from use. And I, I said, have you been able to be reading your Bible? And she said, oh, yeah, every day, every day. And, and I said, that's great. Well, 
you know, is there anything, any questions you have? And she started talking about something, 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 something. And, and uh, God just kind of impressed to share Acts 17 with her. And so I said, well, let's read Acts 17 together to help you. She said, I, I've, been sharing, I've been sharing the gospel uh, with all these people, and nobody will listen. That they just won't listen to me. I tell them that that, that is an idol up there. There's a cross, you know, thousands, and I don't know how high it is. It's probably, uh, it's, I don't know, maybe a couple, a thousand, two thousand feet above the village that they hike up to as a ceremony to worship something. I, I don't know, the cross itself or, or the mountain itself. Um, she said, I tell them that's an idol and that Jesus is the only way to be saved. And I said, let's read Acts 17. And so she got her Bible out, and, and she's reading like this. That's how she reads every day. And, and Mark tells me, make sure I get this right, it's because she has two detached retinas, and there's no, nothing we can do about it. Um, so, um, you know, that's something. Uh, that's something. Uh, to get an inch, inch and a half away from the Bible every day to read it. So um, the plan for her right now is they make an MP3 Bible in Spanish that's solar-powered and audio Bible. So we're going to try to get one of those four. Oh, we didn't tell her that. We're just going to try to do it and maybe a large print Bible and see what we can do for her. Uh, but she's evangelizing. She's sharing the gospel, and, and that's, that's exciting. She's the first one that we've come in contact with that said, hey, I'm telling people, I'm telling people, they're just not listening. <laughs> you know? And so um, I think God just changed our plans and said, you don't need to ditch Banos. Uh, we, need to, we need to work there. Their church in Vichacocha was a, a bright spot again. We got to uh, preach there four nights, and we did three Bible studies with them. Um, we ran into Danio. He was there one day. And uh, a lady by the name of Victoria came to Christ the last night we were there. And they welcomed her into their fellowship. And she's going to be baptized in August, hopefully, uh, Lord willing. Um, the, uh, also, when we were talking to Maria, she, we, I, I just want to confirm where she stood with the Lord. And she said, the only thing, I hadn't been baptized yet. I need to be baptized. I didn't even ask her. I said, okay, that's good. We can do that. And I said, we'll do it in August. She said, okay. And, and uh, so I told the ladies in Beach Acocha, um the last night, I said, I need you to be praying for a lady in Banos named Maria. She's a believer. And of course, they are, oh, great, you know. And I said, she's going to get baptized in August, but just pray for her. She's the only believer in Banos, and she just needs your prayers. And they said, well, we want to go see her get baptized to encourage her. <laughs> and and I, I mean, I'm going, whoa, no way, because for them to think outside of themselves is a big thing. And so they want to go to Banos to encourage her if she's baptized. And so I don't know. We're going to figure that out sometime for the August team, how to get them there. And uh, I don't know. There's like 10 of them that want to go, and we can throw them on the back of our Toyotas, I guess, and bounce them on over. Um, the uh, the school, we got there at school, you know, we took Roger, the one-man demolition team over there, and um, walked in, and, you know, Roger, he was ready to work. I mean, he, we were talking about how much we were going to get done, and and we walked in, and Roger and I walked out the windows and looked in, and they had totally cleaned it up. <laughs> it was it was spotless, and I remember looking at Roger and going, oh, man, I don't know what we're going to do now. And um, But we, since they did that, it's great. It showed initiative on their part. And uh, and they were ready. They're excited about. They're plastering the walls now. And uh, we went in, repaired all the windows, and replaced them. Um, and then uh, Roger and I talked to Daniel's brother about doors, and wound up getting doors ordered. Uh, so they're going to install new doors for the auditorium. Uh, between the time we go and now, we talked to the principal about building a wall uh, to give them another classroom, and some storage space. And, and they're just so excited. Uh, you can see there's new life in the school and the teachers talking to them. And, and uh, Roger and I met with the principal, and there happened to be a parent in there. And we were talking to him, and, and the mom interrupted, and she said, I just want to thank you uh, for showing love as a mom, for showing love to our children. It just means so much that you care for our children. 
and uh, you know that was just that was a neat thing. It was just a neat thing. So um, we have more construction work to do there in July, if you're or August, whichever July August, uh, if you're on that team. Um, Magna, the owner of the store, continues to grow in Christ. She's excited. Um, you know, one of those kind of dumb moments last night. She was talking, and I said, "I'd love for you to go, you know, worship with us sometime next time." She said, "Yeah, I was waiting for you to ask me this time." So I said, you know, I explained to her, I said, Magna, you know, one thing we know in all cultures, I'm a man and I tend to be a little slow. And so don't be afraid to ask. And she laughed. So evidently Peruvian men are a little slow at times too. Um, <laughs> but um, she continues to grow. We had a great Bible study with her for a couple hours and, and, and stuff. Here, here's, I want you to be afraid of those things. We're meeting challenges. Um, the first challenge we're meeting is, you know, that we were supposed to hopefully baptize Miguel this time. We did not do that. Um, Miguel tends to be running, uh, seems to be running. We don't know why or what from. Um, he is very apprehensive to, to be very open talking to us um, and uh, avoided the church services. He came to one, I think, because his mom came and was coming. And, uh, and so uh, otherwise, uh, unless it was at some of the medical clinic where he had to be there for his job, we really didn't see him. Um, and uh, then um, also Danio, uh, we found out that he... We don't know what's going on with Danio. Um, we didn't see him much. We saw him a couple times and talked to him. Seemed to be okay, but he never came. He came to one church service. Um, sorry, my allergies are goofing on me. Um, but um, he came to one church service, and then we um, we went back, and um, he he wasn't there the next three. And so um, the last one, or yeah, it was the last one. We talked to the ladies. We said, has, has Danio been coming? And and what's going on with him? Have you seen? It? And they said he never comes to church. And they they said the only time. And I, or I said, well, he got baptized. I was hoping he was getting involved. And they said, well, he hadn't told us that. And the only time he um, even he acts like a Christian or, or talks about baptism is when the missionaries are here. And so we don't know exactly what's going on with that. Um, you know, and, and so just something to pray about is that God would, would work on Danio's life. And, uh, and if, his, if his conversion uh, was not real, if it was just something to get in good with the missionaries, that he would convict them of that. Um, if it was and he's just having a hard time getting in with them, uh, then that we would have wisdom and discernment. We went to try to talk to him and couldn't find him the next day. Um, finally, we had our first church conflict <laughs> that we've tried to help resolve. Uh, you know, the, the church is brand new and like, you know, 10 believers and they're already fighting. Um, so, um, Dilma, yeah, I know, they're Baptists, definitely. Um, Dilma, um, evidently, when she told the previous team that she was the leader of the church, uh, she did not ask permission for that. And so they're upset. And she, so she wasn't there this week, and she had told them that she wasn't coming, but then they didn't tell us, and, you know, one of those things. So we talked to her, and, and she was supposed to go last night to the service and apologize and ask their forgiveness. And then we talked to one of the other ladies that we ran into on the street that ha just happened to walk out of an alley as we drove by. Um, and again, God's providence. Um, that she walked out of that time. We talked to her and, and encouraged her. said, look, you need to talk to Dilma and reconcile. So, um, you know, those are some areas of prayer that we need to be praying for that we need to, we'll need to kind of gently handle and, and help them through in August when we go back. Um, so, uh, you know, it, again, it was just a good time, a, a great trip, and, and we do appreciate your prayers. I, I want to say thank you personally for um, taking care of my family. So, ah, I was going to try not to do that. Um, but, uh, I appreciate it. Um, I've, I've had several of you go, how'd you do, how'd you do, you know, and I, 
I, I cried like a baby when I found out Steph was in the hospital. I did. I'm not going to hide that. I, I sat up on the hill and be check out. You know, going, man, I hope they can't tell I'm crying back there in the truck and thinking, oh, whatever. Um, but, um, yeah, I told Steph that night. I said, it's not because I don't think God's taking care of you. I know God's taking care of her, and I know God had a purpose in that. And, and I know God's sovereign. And um, But you just want to be there to pick your kids up, you know. <laughs> and um, so I called I called Sydney and Braden the next morning, and Sydney said the the greatest compliment I think you guys can receive. She said, Dad, we have a lot of good friends at church. And I said, you're right, honey. You know, you're right. I said, don't you forget that God allowed this to happen uh, for a reason. That God's in control of all things. It doesn't matter if Daddy's in Peru and Mommy's in the hospital. and That's okay because God's in control. And we talk about that. And she said, yeah, I know. I remember that. And um, so I just want to thank you guys for that. And, um, you know, it, it just, it, it, it reminded me of God's love and um, for his people and the love of his people. And I'm just so grateful for that. I wanted to read uh, Psalm 107 to you tonight, uh, if you want to turn there as we close out. Um, I have a actual sermon up here, but I probably won't make you endure that. Um, I think the Huffmans bailed you guys out on that, talking so long. <laughs> You can thank them or be mad at them. I don't know whichever way you want to go on it. If you'll turn to Psalm 107, Psalm 107 is an appeal just to remember the love of God and his redemption of his people. Uh, you know, the steadfast, everlasting love of God. And I, I just want to read a couple of these things and pull out a few points to, for us to consider as we go tonight. Verses 1 through 3 say this, I'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. You know, it's just an appeal to remember God's love. And, and so often, I think it's easy for us to slip in to being very apathetic and not to recall and, re and remember that and count on it. And so, so here the psalmist says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And he goes on, there's, there's four descriptions. You see in verse 3, it says um, that the people are redeemed in verse 2. He says, like the redeemed say so. And then in verse 3, he says, here they are, that he's gathered them from all the lands, from the east, from the west, from the north, south. And then continuing in that, he breaks them up and says, here, here's a description of the, four, of the people that I've called. And here are the people that I've redeemed. Here, here's where the, the situations they've come out of. Uh, John MacArthur notes this. He says there's a pattern that emerges in this psalm with each one of these groupings of people. He says, first, you see man's predicament. Second, or second, you see man's petition. Third, you see God's pardon. And fourth, you see man's praise. And so I, I wanted to read a couple of these to you and, and, and let you see this. If you look at verses 4 through 9, it says... They wandered in the wilderness and the desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul. He is filled with what is good. So, so the predicament here is that you, for, they're aimlessly wandering in the desert. They're thirsty, they're hungry, they're in need. And, and some people say, well, this may refer to the Exodus, but contextually, we don't know. We don't know. Scholars are kind of divided on that. But their predicament is that they're just aimlessly wandering. And, and you see in verse 6, it says what? It says they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and what did he do? He delivered them 
out of their distresses. Okay, so you see their predicament. You see man's petition. They cried out to the Lord to deliver them. You see God's pardon. He delivers them out of the distresses. And then it says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness. Men call to praise him. Look at the next group in verse 10. Then there were those who dwelt in the darkness and the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And what? He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke the bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for the wonders to the sons of men. For he has shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. Again, we see that same thing. We see this time that man's predicament is that they just flat out were rebelling against God. They were in sin and because of that, they were in bondage. And, you know, verses like John 8, 34 and Ephesians 2 come to mind where we're described in bondage. Galatians 4, we're in bondage to sin. We're enslaved to sin. And they're enslaved. And it says what? They cried out in their distress. And what? God saved them. God brought them out. Let the sons of men praise God. Let the sons of men praise God. Look at verse 17 to 22. Fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all kinds of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. See, so you, have, you have people described as fools because of their, own, their trials that they're going through due to their own sin. Their own sin has brought this upon them. They have made foolish choices and decisions. And, and they're going through this because of their iniquities. Their soul abhorred all ty types of food. They drew near the gates of death. And what do they do? They cry out to the Lord. And what does he do? He saves them. He saves them. Again, and, and how does he save them? I think verse 20 is neat. How does he save them? He sends his word and heals them. Look at the next one. Those who go down to the sea in ships, in verse 23, who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens. They went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. What does that remind you of? Jesus calming the storm. I mean, is that not, it's like, hello, <laughs> this is it. Jesus calming the storm. I mean, they go out and they go in their ships and, and the ships, the, the waves toss them to and fro all over the place and they're staggering around like drunk men and Jesus is, <laughs> Jesus is sleeping. And, and what do they do? They cry out in their distress, are you not worried about us? And he, he rebukes them for fearing, the, the fear of nature and stands up and rebukes nature and calms the storm. When they cry out in their distress, what does it say? What, is, what happens? This common theme, verse 28 he brought them out of their distresses. Again, he brought them out of their distresses. I, we talked about this with the students a few weeks ago. The observations, we were in Mark actually looking at this, and, 
and talked about, you know, that God's greater than any circumstances and that we're called to fear God, not circumstances. The, the, the fear of God is actually a positive thing. Over 70 time, 75 times in the scriptures, we're called to fear God. And that's a positive thing. That we would fear him, not circumstances. That we would never fear circumstances because we cannot forget who we serve. We can't forget who we serve. We only fear God knowing that he is a holy and a mighty God that's poured out his love and grace on us. And that when we cry out in our distress, he will save us. He will save us. That's who we fear. We fear nothing else. The disciples were, were rebuked for fearing. But what was their fear in? Nature. If you look over, if you flip over to Mark 4, I don't know, verse maybe 40, 41, somewhere in there. But if you flip over and read that tonight, they're rebuked for fearing nature. But then it says they, when they saw <laughs> that he had power and dominion even over nature, they feared. There's nothing negative said about that. We don't fear circumstances. We don't fear anything except God Almighty. And we serve him in reverence and awe of what a mighty and awesome God he is. Knowing that if we're in one of these places, maybe we're going through some kind of trial that is outside of our control, a sickness, whatever it is, that we say, I don't fear that thing. I don't fear that. Because I know God's in control. Maybe life as we know it is about to change and we know it. But we can look at that trial that's ahead and say, I don't fear that. I fear God alone. And I love him. And I know he loves me. Maybe we've made foolish mistakes. And we're paying the price for that. But we know that when we cry out to him, he will rescue us. Maybe you're living in flat out rebellion. Cry out to him. And he will save you. I, you know, some of us in the room may be in that spot. But I can tell you this tonight with confidence. There's thousands of people in the Chankai River Valley that are in these spots. Without a doubt. That are walking around in rebellion. That are making foolish decisions. That are in captivity to sin. In bondage to sin. Who do not know that Jesus Christ has paid the necessary price to bring them out of captivity. There are people in Chankai River Valley that worship a mountain because a rock didn't hit their house. And they need to know salvation that is in Christ alone. And God has blessed us with the opportunity and the privilege and the blessing to go there and to tell them if you cry out to Jesus Christ, he will save you and so that's my prayer tonight as we close is that those people in bondage those people in rebellion those people living sinful foolish lives and reaping the consequences those people who are struggling along afflicted through trials of various kinds sickness detached retinas, whatever, 
whatever it may be, legally blind, that they would know that if they cry out in their distress, the Lord will save them and redeem them and give them hope in the future. Let's pray together. God, we stand before you tonight in awe of what a great and awesome God you are. God, we stand in in reverent fear of you because we know that you're holy and you're omnipotent. You're greater than anything we can comprehend. God, you're infinite. You're sovereign. There is no one like you, God. No one like you. But God, we also stand before you in confidence, just like the song that played during the slideshow, that we know that if our God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? God, we stand before you in confidence because we know we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ as believers. God, we thank you that, that those gathered here tonight that are believers, God, we can stand before you with reverent fear, but we don't have to fear your wrath and your condemnation because we know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that, God. God, we thank you for the work you've done in the Chankai River Valley, the way you've been moving by your spirit, the way you continue to grow the believers there. And we pray, God, that you would just continue to raise them up. And we pray specifically for the church in Vichacocha, God, that you would just knit them together in unity and make them strong, God. Please continue to cause them to search you and, and search for you in Scripture. God, we pray for Danio and Miguel, God. We don't fully understand what's going on with them. And God, we just pray that you would open their eyes to you and give them greater faith. And I pray that, that those around them and that, that little church would, God, minister to them. God, please strengthen Maria's faith, God. And we ask that you would just um, provide for her. God, speak powerfully through her as she continues to try to witness to those people in Banos. God, I pray that you would just make her a beacon of light in that city. And I just pray they would know how much we love them, but God, most of all, we want them to know how much you love them, God. God, may, be, may you be exalted in that valley and give us wisdom to know what to plan and where to go from here and how to best minister to them for your glory and for their good. In Christ's name, amen.